Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of 13, the bi-weekly podcast that asks 13 questions of Colgate University community members. I'm your host, Daniel DeVries, and today I'm excited to welcome to the program Colgate's new vice president and director of athletics, Yuriv Amir, a member of the Colgate class of 2001. Yuriv has held extensive leadership roles in collegiate athletics, including the last eight years at Colgate. Prior to his previous appointment as interim vice president and director of athletics at Colgate, Yuriv served as the deputy athletics director and worked as the senior associate athletics director for finance and operations, as well as senior associate athletics director for external operations. Nationally, Yuriv serves on the NCAA Men's and Women's Ice Hockey Rules Committee and the ECAC Hockey Administrators Committee. He previously served on the NCAA Division I Swimming and Diving Committee and the Men's Hockey National Recruiting Committee. On the Colgate campus, he serves on the Academic Affairs Board, he's a member of the Cabinet, the Dean's Advisory Council, Committee on Athletics, University Property Committee, and on the Oak Initiative, which is Colgate's um, Technology uh, Oversight Board. From 2002 to 2015, Uriv worked in the Athletics Department at Princeton University, where he filled various roles, including Assistant Athletic Director for Marketing. While at Princeton, he served on the Ivy League Digital Strategies Committee and was an NCAA Women's Water Polo Committee member. Before working at Princeton, Amir spent one year working at USA Hockey as the Brian Fishman intern in the organization's public relations office. Yuriv, welcome to 13. Thanks, Dan. Pleasure to be here with you. All right. Well, really glad to have you. And um, particularly now that you've uh, been named as Colgate's newest athletics director, Um, you've you've held now, you were the interim uh, director, athletics director for... When did when did that start? Um, about this time last year, right after Thanksgiving, so like December first or so. Um, yeah, nice. So tell us a little bit about your time at Colgate uh, as a student, and also uh, in your extracurricular activities, and what else you did outside the classroom. Sure, I came to Colgate, you know, really excited um, to engage in the academic um, experience of college coming from a New Jersey public school and just jumping into an academic environment with with amazing teachers, professors, and, and students. I also grew up playing sports. I played hockey and baseball in high school, and but, but that run ended in high school. So I came to Colgate kind of looking for the next activity, extracurricular thing that would that would supplement and complement you know, what I did in the classroom. So pretty quickly I found rowing um, and kind of jumped right into that and, and found a close friend group that that I competed with and ultimately lived with and was a part of. So when I think about my Colgate experience looking back, obviously I think about classroom and learning and um, engaging in a lot of amazing experiences there. I think about my friends and the social aspect. Uh, which was very connected to, to my sport, which was rowing. And I think about that sport and what I learned and what I gained. And, um, you know, there's no question I'm not here working at Colgate. I'm not working in college athletics without the experience I had um, being on the rowing team. We um, were a 
club program to start. So, you know, very different experience. Um, and during my time, we transitioned to a varsity program. My senior year was Colgate's first varsity year with rowing. And that experience of, of being a part of that transition, learning about the different pieces that an athletics department puts into running a program and, and working through that tradition, transition and meeting people, meeting administrators, all that kind of behind the scenes aspect that I was fortunate enough to be a part of and see uh, having a leadership role within the our club program, you know, just gave me an insight into um, this like enterprise of college athletics and um, kind of what goes into it and the pieces of it that that sparked an interest that I still have. So I really look back kind of on the three aspects of it that all complemented each other, all worked together um, to, to be a really memorable time. What, what did you major in? I'm a double major in um, international relations and economics. I started just in IR and at some point along the way, you know, had five or six econ classes. So I decided to um, to, to take the full complement and, and double in both. So um, I definitely, in my um, work experience, as I moved into like the more finance, administration, business operations side of it, there's definitely some some ties to the econ side. But, um, you know, you mentioned it when you read my bio that my first job was working in like media and PR and um, a liberal arts education, the ability to write, the ability to think really um, – you know, helped me at every step uh, of the way. Hmm. And it was interesting. You you talk about your time on the rowing team and how that transitioned from a club sport to a division one sport. And I don't know if a lot of people know the difference. Like what is, what, what makes a club sport compared to a division one sport? Is it just the funding they have? Is it the number of coaches? Like what is involved in a team transition, sure. making that jump? It seems like a big jump. Yeah, it's funny. Um, being on the team, I don't know that in that first year I really felt much difference, but there's, there's a lot to it. You know, you, you said funding. Funding certainly is, is a part of it. Most of our club sports here now, we have a small amount of money that Colgate uses to, to help offset their expenses. But their operating budget is generally either fundraised or supported through dues. And that's how it was for us rowing. Colgate has has funds that help support varsity programs now. Um, certainly fundraising is a part of it. There are some programs where some students pay for certain aspects, maybe for a spring break trip or something like that. But, but the funding model is different. Um, varsity sports have access to the varsity weight room and strength and conditioning coaches, sports medicine, athletic communication. So there's a really a the the support staff around it, the the elements that that help elevate it and and give that the student athletes a a top experience. So from a student athlete point of view, the commitment level probably isn't different. Our club sports student athletes take their sport incredibly seriously. It means a lot to them. Um but just some of the support around it is different. You know, the um, the the schools we compete against, the the landscape they compete in, you know, is pretty different. But you know, at the heart of it, it's teams competing on a field or the water or the gym or wherever. Um, you know, with pride to have the Colgate name across their chest and um, and represent their school. Nice. 
And uh, this semester in particular has been pretty good, right? We've had some success uh, in some of our programs. Uh, I know uh, volleyball just uh, clinched its third in a row uh, tournament appearance. Yep. Uh, you can talk about some of the the teams this year. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we've definitely had a had a really nice fall. You mentioned it. Volleyball just won the Patriot League championship for the third straight year. They've been the top team in the league now. For um, probably the last three, four years, they shared a championship with American five years ago and have won it the last four since. And we'll we'll advance the NCAA tournament. We'll find out after Thanksgiving where um, that will be against who they'll play. Um, and they've been really competing at the top of the league now for a couple of years, as I said, and have some nice non-conference performances. And then you know we're great this weekend in beating Navy and American to win that championship. Both of our soccer teams this year uh, took a step forward. They both made the Patriot League quarterfinal, uh, won Patriot League quarterfinal games uh, in the playoffs before losing in the semis. But programs that are building and kind of took that next step, so enter the offseason with some momentum leading into uh, that will lead into next fall. Our football team had a had a tough start. They always play a tough schedule that really challenges them and some early opponents for what what is a pretty young team. Um, didn't go our way. Um, we were 0-4, but then finished the season winning six out of the last seven. Uh, they were 6-5 and five overall, so it's the first time, I think, in three or four years that they had a winning record, 4-2 and two in the league. So a lot of momentum for football. We're really excited to see what kind of those next steps look like, what they look like next year with, a lot, again, a lot of young players coming back and a lot of momentum in that program. Our women's hockey team uh, just jumped up to second in the nation. I think they're thirteen and one right now, and have Amazing. won like twelve in a row. They they'll have a good test this weekend. They're playing Minnesota Duluth, so getting out and playing some Western teams. Um, they've been in the NCAA quarterfinals now th- three or four years in a row. I have to check it to be exactly on it, um, but they want to take that next step. So kind of big non-conference games like this. Really, will help set the tone and prepare them for that that game later in the year. But um, really exciting to watch them. They've they've handled their opponents pretty well here so far this year. Um, they'll face some adversity at some point. All teams do, and they'll have to kind of battle through it. But um, so far, so good. Um, still early in kind of the men's for men's hockey. Women's hockey starts like two weeks before men's hockey, so they feel a little further along in their season. But they've had some good wins so far. Mike Carter is back um, as head coach. And there's some excitement there. Uh, men's basketball's had a great run of late, um, so they're they're kind of for the first time in a long time a little young and and have some some new faces. So they've I think they're three and two at this point um, with some good wins, and you know they'll keep building and and figure out who they are as they head into um, Patriot League play. For, like I said, for the first time in a long time, they're young, and you know Tucker Richardson was basically a five year starter who's now graduated and is playing professionally in Finland and leaves a void that they're working through, uh, figuring out how to fill. Women's basketball off to a 3-0 and start. We expect them to, to have a great year. They were picked in the top three, I think, um, in the Patriot League preseason coaches poll. So a lot of our teams really um, are off to great starts. And, I mean, I could talk about four or five others. Sure. But, uh, um, but, yeah, a lot of excitement. A lot of our, you know, for us, um, you know, resources are limited. And, and we can't resource every team to, to win a championship or to compete at the highest level. But um, what I do think you see across the board for our teams is, is they're competing at the level they should based on how they're positioned. 
And I think that's all we really can ask for. Hmm. So, so pretty exciting to see just how our teams are performing and, and representing Colgate right now. And over the past year, <clears throat> when you were in the interim role, I know you made some pretty big hires too in, in coaching staff here. Yeah, so yeah, it's funny to think the interim, like like we talked about before, it's almost a full year now. Um, but uh, yeah, we hired three head coaches in that um, kind of time period. The first I mentioned already was Mike Carter uh, to be our hot men's hockey coach. Mike had had been here before as an assistant, had gone off and and done some things, coaching in the youth space, um, running programs, um, and it's been great to have him back, have an alum in that role that really has worked hard to engage our community, engage the alumni community, and and um, put an exciting brand of hockey on the ice. Our, our team's fun to watch. The, the guys on the team are really excited and happy and are enjoying the coaching staff, and I think you see it when they play. So we hired Jim Lister as our new women's rowing coach. Jim came to comes to Colgate from Hamilton College, and before that, Duke and Syracuse. He, he has familiarity with Central New York and the challenges of having having a, a, a rowing team in a spring sport in in central New York where your lake might be frozen um, up up through spring break um, and, and knowing how to kind of work around that and um, um, you know go indoors and you know interestingly enough when he coached at Hamilton our teams often would go up to the Erie Canal in Rome where the Hamilton boathouse is and, and use that because it doesn't freeze as much so so Jim had a lot of familiarity with our team even before you know coming here to, to join us and his Duke and Syracuse experience along with Hamilton you know he knows how you know student athletes on our campus that have academic and athletic commitments and have to manage them work so um, we've had so much good feedback from our student athletes about him and just the way he's he's engaged with them and, and started to build and position his program um, and then the third one is we hired JP Kircher as our um, new men's golf coach Keith Tyberski you know, someone who had a lot of Colgate ties um, went to Yale to be their head coach. Um, so we hired JP um, from, you know, a small Division three school in Georgia. But JP is another guy with, with New York roots. He grew up in the Rochester area, has a lot of family there, his wife as well. Um, so knows the area, knows the recruiting ground, had played Seven Oaks a lot and been here. And, and they're another program that's off to a great start. You know, the guys really are engaged and enjoying him. Um, you know, JP's really jumped into to, you know, coaching and his team, but also the Colgate and Hamilton community. You see him and his wife at, at a lot of sporting events and really just kind of soaking it up. Um, they they finished their year with a with a win at the Bucknell Invitational, which was great. Nice. And I know they have a lot of excitement going into the spring. Very good. How many how many student athletes are there approximately? Yeah, it's a number that fluctuates. Yeah. Um, but at any time, we're usually somewhere between like 550 and 575. All right. That's um, a good chunk. Yeah. Um, our, and, and really kind of rowing is the reason for the flexibility, that, 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 that flexibility. You know, students will walk on and try out and some will persist and some won't. So there's some attrition. But, yeah, we're usually in that 550, a little more range. That's one of the things I wanted to ask about. So at Colgate, you know, it's a Division One program. And I know they recruit, like some certain sports go out and they look for, you know, great players across the country. And um, But other people can walk onto the team. Like they can try out. How does that work? What is the process for mm-hmm. getting on a team at Colgate? So the vast majority of our student athletes are recruited 
out of high school or a club team, AAU, junior, whatever, whatever it may be, and kind of come here with that intent to play. There's a small number of student athletes that played their sport in high school or wherever, were off the recruiting radar, applied to Colgate on their own, got in, and then, hey, coach, I'm here. I'm interested. You know, here's my information. And in those cases, um, you know, there's often might be a tryout or something like that. Or it, it depends, you know, if there's 10 kids that want to try out for men's lacrosse, it might look different than if there's one golfer that wants to try out. So so some might have a more formal tryout. Some might be, all right, come to golf and play around with us and let's see, you know, how you fare against our, you know, those those people on our team. So there's a small number of student athletes like that that kind of get in on their own and then just let us know they're here and are interested in in being on the team if there's a spot. Then we'll have kind of, you know, uh, rowing's a little bit different because that's a sport where you get a lot of people who've never rowed before that were high school student athletes like me that are looking for for what comes next. So that's a little bit of a different kind of tryout process where people with no experience are like, oh, I'll give this a try. And, you know, they'll have a process where maybe for two weeks they'll teach people how to do it and then, you know, kind of build up. In, in a lot of rowing, you have something called novice boats, which are first-year boats. So our novices might compete against someone else's novices. Okay. So so it's kind of a, a way to like grow the sport and build the sport and not throw them right into the fire. Um, that's changed a little bit over time as more and more high school rowers are recruited because it wouldn't make sense to put a recruited first-year rower in a boat with me who's never rowed in his life before. So so it's evolved a little bit, but um, but that's the general process. By far, most of our student athletes are are identified and recruited before they get here. But there are some paths for those who who get here and have an interest, um, and some and you know and the appropriate skill. So, do all student athletes at Colgate receive financial aid for their sport? No. Um, so there's there's a few different I guess things at play. Um, first, there are Colgate does offer athletic scholarships. The NCAA, though, sets some maximums. Um, so in a given sport, there is an NCAA max as to how many scholarships can be awarded in that sport. Um, so you know, as an example, in, a, in, in men's and women's hockey, you can give out 18 scholarships. Um, if you look at a roster, both those teams have more than 18, right? So those are sports where you can split up scholarships. So someone might um, have half a scholarship. Someone might have a quarter. Someone might have a full um, so, so there's some things like that. There are sports like men's basketball, women's basketball, for example, and volleyball that are called counter sports where you can't do that. You can't divide them up. So you have 15 scholarships and you can have 15 people on aid. Um, so if that's the case, if you have 16, your 16th has, you know, can't be on athletic scholarship. Um, with that said, um, many of our student athletes are on like financial aid, like need based need based aid. aid if if you know if they qualify um, and that type of thing, um, and then there are situations where, you know, depending on what aid a student athlete, what financial aid a student athlete might need, you know, and packaging that with scholarship and, and those types of things. Um, but we have many student athletes that you know are full pay um, um, that that are active participants and, and important pieces you know on our roster. So. Really, it runs the gamut. Tell me a little bit about the how the athletic department prioritizes the overall student athlete experience. And I'm thinking about 
how students balance athletics with academics, particularly with how challenging classes tend to be here at Colgate. You know, Colgate's known for really rigorous classes, very difficult mm-hmm. work. Um, how, how, does, uh, how does a student athlete balance that, and what does Colgate do to help support them? Yeah, it's a good question. So um, we work to make it clear that, that academics are their priority. Um, there are going to be those times of a year when the schedule makes it that we have to travel on a certain date and they might have to miss class. And so how do, so we work to figure out how to minimize those, those cases and get them the support they need if they have to take a test on the road or, you know, if they miss a study group, how do we, how can we minimize those, those, those moments? But, you know, as, as on the counter side of that, practice is never a reason to miss a class. Um, you know, we, we schedule, if you drive through Hamilton at night, you see the lights on pretty late because our teams have to practice late because that's when they can get everyone there. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so we, you know, during the school day, nine to four, roughly, their priority is, is up the hill, is academic, um, and, and, and sports come after that. Now, there are, you know, there are times when there's out-of-class assignments and lectures and, you know, tests at night and things like that that we have to work around and, and work closely with our um, um, academic support folks. Um, each team has a faculty liaison, oh. which is a faculty member that kind of works directly with the team that, that student-athletes can build a relationship with. Student athletes have faculty advisors. They have um, administrative deans, so they have a big support system of of people that can help them, you know, navigate those spaces where there is a, if and when there is a conflict or a need to work something out. We we work to provide them with with all kinds of services to help manage their time, um, help get them the support they need. We're not an athletic department that you know has tutors and sends our kids to study hall. But we do have um, two people that work in our, you know, academic center, if you will, that, you know, they serve as bridges. So someone needs help on an assignment, let's, we can help you identify those resources and how to reach out to the person for support if you need it, that type of thing. So our academic support is more about connecting than about providing, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, we have an extensive student-athlete development plan that provides our student athletes with you know educational moments throughout their their careers whether it's engaging with career services or like a financial literacy course or time management or all these kinds of elements where they're things that um, will help student athletes kind of in managing their time managing their day managing what comes at them um, you know People who are, are tuned into the college sports landscape have heard about transformation. And one of the things we have to do in transformation is um, something called the holistic student model. Which... Wait, what, wait what, what, what is transformation? <laughs> what, what is tra- I've never heard of this. So, yeah, the NCAA um, put together a transformation committee uh, right during kind of the COVID time um, that was, was put together um, – really to address, I guess, the changing landscape in college athletics and figure out what the next steps are for the NCAA and its membership. So there was a committee put together. They started working in 2021. And in January of this year, they put out a report that outlined a bunch of recommendations on, 
you know, I guess the future of Division One, And um, they didn't really put out any, like, this is what you have to do, but it was like a direction, if that makes sense. And they focused on three areas of priority. The first was about student-athlete support. So making sure that schools have a student-athlete's mental, physical, academic, emotional well-being in mind and are providing resources to um, to make sure that 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 there is support for a student athlete. The other two kind of areas were um, the championship experience. So you may remember in in COVID when the um, two basketball tournaments happened in the bubble, there were some major um, inequities between the men's tournament and the women's tournament. I remember that, yeah. So there was that, you know, at that same time that our men's basketball team was in the bubble, our women's hockey team was kind of in a bubble in Erie, Pennsylvania. And that was very different too. So there's like the looking to address, um, I guess, inequities like from a men's to women's in the same sport, but then across sports. And then the third priority is about governance structure and modernization. And essentially, like I don't think the NCAA would use this word, but I will, like deregulation. Like mm-hmm. there are a lot of NCA rules that can come in under like antitrust questions, right? Like how, like here's a group just deciding things unilaterally in a way. So like a lot of decisions are going to get pushed down to like sports subcommittees, to the conferences, to the schools. But back to your, your question essentially was how do we support student athletes? So that first area of priority is really all about um, student athlete support um, and, and finding ways to make sure that we're, you know, being attentive to, to student athletes' needs and supporting them throughout their experience. So um, the good news is, is that they listed a bunch of recommendations that are all things we do already. Like we already are doing best practices you know, whether it's access to um, mental health clinicians. Um, you know, one of the examples is um, there's something called every school has a student athlete advisory committee, SAC. Like they actually, one of the recommendations is that a senior administrator has to be at SAC. We've been doing that for forever. So we're already addressing a lot of these best practices in the way we support our student athletes. We're always looking for more ways. Um, we recently received a, an endowment gift that will help support, you know, sports psychology specifically. It's an area we haven't really been able to delve into too much. Hmm. So that's like another way we're going to be able to to expand our offerings and do it in partnership with with the counseling center and the dean of college office. Um, they're they're tremendous partners of us in this space, and we want to keep keep it going that way. Um, but we're always looking for kind of what's that next piece, what's that next way we can we can just better support our student athletes and help them achieve, you know, athletically, academically, socially, you know, in, in all facets of their life. Um, you know, that's such an important part of the, the Colgate experience. Like you asked me the first question about my experience, yeah. like I talked about those three things. And, you know, that's what we want, you know, every student to have. And, and how does the university stack up academically compared to its peers? Um other athletic programs. I know every year there's always some kind of a uh, academic uh, scorecard that comes out. And I guess, uh, how does Colgate do there? Uh, you know, we do pretty well. Like, I think um, the NCAA GSR, so that's graduate success rate, is coming out maybe in the next few weeks. And I think our number is, is, is again, at 97%. That's essentially a six-year graduation rate. So that's, you know, among the highest of the nation. It's been there forever. So APR will be coming out in the spring, um, but we're finalizing our submission right now. APR stands for Academic Progress Rate. It's an NCA measure that essentially um, measures like eligibility and retention. 
So our students and student athletes um, completing, you know, their semester and and eligible the next one, have they been retained for the next one, that type of thing. And, you know, 19 of our 24 programs, we actually have 25, but men's rowing is not considered an NCAA sport. So um, 24 for this case will have 1,000. So that's perfect. And I think our lowest was 985. So on a scale of 1,000, those those are all pretty high. Um, You know, it's hard to measure kind of GPAs across schools and that kind of thing. But those are measures, you know, the NCAA provides, and and we stack up with the best. All right. Um, Listeners to the podcast and, I guess, uh, folks who keep up with things going on at Colgate will have no doubt, you know, heard us talk about the things going on related to the third century plan here. And curious how athletics plays a role in that. I know it's one part of the plan. Uh, I know folks are probably very interested as to the the future of the programs here and what we may see coming down the road, both with respect to construction or anything else, renovations or uh, new initiatives. So can you kind of let us uh, give us a peek behind the stage and let us know what's going on? Yeah, for sure. Um, So athletics falls directly into the third part of the plan, the third pillar. Um, that's all about you know, creating a, a culture of community, ritual, pride um, that's reflected in, in life, in campus programming, and athletics. So athletics has a very kind of visible uh, mention right within the plan. And um, really, we talk about it in, in three ways. Um, so the first is recruiting. How do we, we want to, not how do we, but we want to continue to attract the most talented, the most motivated um, students and student athletes who, who want to come here and want to engage in all that Colgate has to offer. They want to be good Colgate citizens. So, you know, excel in the classroom, in their sport, in their development, that type of thing. Um, the second one is building. We want to build and maintain our spaces to inspire those student athletes to um, compete for championships and compete to do their best, you know, represent represent our school. And the third is about support. And that is, you know, somewhere in here we got to talk about resources. So the third's about support and just providing the right personnel, staffing-wise, the right program support, you know, financial dollars that are necessary for, for that development, for that growth, you know, for our, our programs to continue to excel. So um, that kind of those – action words, I guess. We, we can support them through a few different ways. So the first is facilities. Um, you know, I think that's probably the part of the athletics portion of the plan that most people have heard about and know about. Um, you know, we started with the idea of, of renovating Reed um, with the goals of um, renovating or, or reallocating space to have a new um, performance arena for basketball and volleyball, to bring our football program together they're currently in four different buildings, and to bring them together and house them in one space. And then third, to have an integrated um, sports med, strength and conditioning, student-athlete wellness space. Um, right now, our strength and conditioning weight room space is in Huntington Gym. Our main um, sports medicine space is in Reed, so bringing them together in one place. We went pretty far down the line of what a renovation could look like, and just the age of, the, the age of Reed as it is right now, the way it was built – just the way the square footage works, what would have been a crazy phasing plan of moving people all over the place um, and, and just rising costs. You know, the decision was made that rather than try to renovate it, let's let's build new to accomplish those priorities. And then ultimately, we'd be able to remove Reed. So 
we're working through the first step of that, which is the um, the arena. Um, the Carey Center is our working name. Chase Carey and his family made made the initial gift to kind of kickstart this project. Um, and that we, we're we've working through um, schematic design and hope to have, you know, a final design. You know, hopefully in place maybe by the end of this this calendar year, um, so that we can get moving because we got to get moving. When is, um, <laughs> when is that supposed to start? By taking down by by replacing Reed, we got to find a new place to put this building. And and the the site that has been evaluated as the best is where buildings and grounds currently is. So right over top of them, adjacent to the tennis courts, kind of behind Reed if you're standing on on Broad Street. So that has to come. So a new B and G has to be built. Um, that has to come down, and we have to start construction. So that's a tight timeline. Hopefully, we'll be starting construction probably January of twenty five. Okay. Um, but that's quick. That means B and G's got to start, you know, very soon. And I know our um, partners in in capital projects are, are are working hard on that and kind of the different dominoes that have to take place. So that's kind of the first move that's happening um, as we speak. You know, we then continue to accomplish those goals with two other buildings. One, um, a student athlete wellness kind of hub that would have weight room, sports med, academic center, all kinds of the like non-team specific um, support areas um, for student athletes. And that, at least in our early plans, is kind of adjacent to where Star Rink is today. Um, kind of, you know, the parking lot on the left. Yeah, yeah. kind of there. Um you know, just north of, of the hospital space. Um, and then a third building um, for football and, and probably some other sports that somewhere around football, like the exact location, TBD, um, you know, there's been a thought, can we kind of build it under the the Dunlap stands? But which, which I mean, it would be a good use of space. There's a lot of steel to work around there. So we're not sure if that would work, but there are some other locations kind of around there that we've identified too. Hmm. Um and then we would have some backfill within Sanford and within Huntington and, and to finish it off with the final step being to, to get rid of Reed, take it down and, and replace that with a quad green space that kind of connects all the different buildings we're talking about, along with Sanford and the Class of 65 Arena and the tennis courts and um, really create like an athletics campus and athletics really quad yeah. down, um, you know, in our spaces. So there are a lot of steps to it. Um, you know, we're, we're on the first one now and conceptually thinking about the next two, three, four. Um, but it's exciting to think about what, you know, six, seven years from now that space could look like and, and how it could function. Um, those are the like that's the capital side. That's mm-hmm. probably the side people have heard most about. But we're also working a lot in the space of you know, financial aid, scholarships, endow- programmatic endowments, named named just like um, on campus we have named professors, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, <clears throat> like named coaching chairs, you know, just different ways to help support our programs and 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 find you know incremental resources to to help to help support them and help them grow and help them take a next step. I I mentioned earlier that like you know we can't resource all of our teams at the highest level. We have to make decisions, but you know, through this plan and through um, the efforts of advancement and, and other partnerships, the more we can find and the more we can do to give each team a little bit more, you know, the higher that ceiling goes. So that's kind of, you know, how we're working through this and looking for ways to, you know, better support our coaches, better support our student athletes and help, help them be successful. Speaking of faculty and coaches, you know, I know that at Colgate, the coaches are faculty members. Is that common across collegiate athletics 
Um, I know they can vote in, in mm-hmm. faculty matters at faculty meetings. Uh, is, is that common? And I guess what's the history of that? Or, you know, what is the story behind how that came to be? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't, and I don't know every um, every detail to it, but I know what we think. Yeah. So, um, so first, um, that's pretty uncommon from a division one standpoint, at least. We we have some peers kind of in the D three space and like the NESCAC schools where it's where it's somewhat common. Um, and but from a D one perspective, it's definitely uncommon. Um, but in terms of the history of it. I think I think there are two pieces. I think that the first is, um, and this is actually something that has been a topic recently in um, one of our committees. You mentioned a lot of committees at the start, <laughs> um, but but Colgate has a PE requirement. Um, it, it student athletes don't receive like credit; like they have to take you know thirty two credits to graduate. Um, so the PE credits are not part of their thirty two. But it's a graduation requirement that every student has to take two PE classes. So wait, so wait. So if you're a member of the basketball team, no, 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 you still have to go do no rock so, climbing or no, what? you don't. Okay. Um, <laughs> so if you're a varsity athlete, if you're a club athlete, you can meet your requirement through your sport, okay. outdoor ed, gotcha, um, those types of things. And there are other there are other ways too. But but I think the faculty piece come it it, it stems back to that that. We Colgate believe that um, physical education and, and physical education has evolved a little bit to include things like wellness sure. and, and um, other types of um, you know, just general health kind of classes. But we believe that's an important part of, you know, a core experience when the, the faculty um, adjusted the core most recently, like phys ed, they, they talked about phys ed and phys ed remained part of the 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 requirements. So, um, so I, that's, I think the root of it, you know, Colgate has believed that physical education and, um, not playing a sport, but, but there's a value in playing a sport. There's a value in, you know, finding squash (laughs) as a social sport when you're in high school or or college, excuse me, there's a value in going to the gym to work out and, and take care of your body and take care of yourself and, and, it, you know, it helps you sleep better. It helps you, you know, manage your time better, all those things. So um, I think that's where the roots of it come from, um, that um, that it matters, right? Um, the interesting thing is that a lot of our peers have slowly gotten rid of PE requirements. Um, so when I mentioned we've been talking about a committee, it's like, is a PE requirement still relevant in the world we're in? And there are those who, who think it should stray more to the wellness piece, there are those who believe it should be strict PE. Like, you know, the Department of Education recommends that everybody have, you know, 30, I'm making up the number. I don't know exactly what it is, but they have a recommendation yeah. that, you know, you should have 30 minutes of vigorous exercise five days a week, right? They have a recommendation. So if there's a way we can help our students get that and it, it contributes to their, a fuller life, then, then that's an important thing that we do. Um, so ultimately kind of went, uh, you know, far with it, but I think that's, Colgate coaches and and some of our administrators being faculty tie back to that. Hmm. Uh, another topic that's kind of been in the news lately and has been uh, you know big chatter in uh, collegiate sports is um, NIL, so name, image, and likeness deals. Can you talk a little bit about what is NIL for anybody who has never heard of it before, and what does that mean for our student athletes? Sure. 
So um, name, image, and likeness, NIL is the, the shorthand, um, is basically um, a new ruling policy from the NCAA that student-athletes can profit off of their own name, image, and likeness. You know, it, it, it stems back from some different cases that have happened over the years. Like there's the case um, where, you know, like the EA Sports NCAA basketball game had the college player names but the student athletes weren't receiving royalties from it, it right? First, right. Yeah. So, um, as kind of, I would say, like Power Five college athletics has evolved, and like the coaches are making a lot of money, the schools are making a lot of money. Um, you know, the question has come up, like, what about the players, right? What about the student athletes? So that's where NIL kind of evolved as an opportunity for them to to profit on on their name, their image, and their likeness. And if they're successful and businesses are interested in, in sponsoring them or have them do a commercial or whatever, they should have that opportunity. So um, that's probably, I mean, it feels like it was yesterday, but we've probably been in this space four or five years now already where, where those opportunities exist for student athletes. And, you know, and a lot of these kinds of changes you know, they, they trickle down to us, right? They hit at the the highest power five level first, and then they come what's to us a, What's a, a power later. five? So power five is, um, and it might be power four soon with the Pac-12's demise, but th- those are the, the top five kind of power conferences. So right, you know, today that's the Big Ten, the Big 12, ACC, SEC, and um, I missed one. Pac-10? Pac-12? Um, it's all right. Um, and those are... Those are the, you know, Alabama and UCLA and Michigan and Florida State and Clemson and Notre Dame. And, you know, the schools that if you're watching college football on a Saturday, you're watching them play um, that, you know, are the highest revenue earners and um, in a lot of ways dictate kind of how the rest of Division One functions. Um, so, you know, they were they were in the NIL spaces right away. It kind of trickled down to us. So, so what does it mean for our student athletes? They have an opportunity. You know, should should someone be interested in in you know supporting them, sponsoring them, to to, to profit, to 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 earn something? So we we have a small number of student athletes that do. We have some resources for them in place. We have an NIL policy that's available on our website. We have an NIL marketplace where. Student athletes can actually opt in. So Dan, if you want, if you're open to NIL opportunities, you can opt in, and you know your contact info, your um, your rate, maybe you know your your social media. A lot of NIL is based on social followers. Hmm. Um, you, you know your uh, one's value is almost dictated on based on their reach, right? Yeah. So um, so we have a marketplace where student athletes who want to opt in can opt in, and and businesses that are looking for someone can, can check it out and kind of that connection can happen. You know, a lot of our kind of deals right now are, are pretty small things. You know, it's the apparel company um, gives them a link that they can do a social post on and, you know, they get 5% of the sales associated with the link, that type okay. of thing. No one's really, um, you know, earning large dollars on our side. And, and, and quite frankly, like a lot of our students just aren't interested in it. Mm. You know, they're, their sport, their academics, their life, that they have priorities elsewhere. And, and you know, this is just something um, that exists. So what are NIL collectives? That's another thing I've heard. Of. Yeah. So, um, you know, a collective is, you know, you make some rules 
and you. A lot of smart people try to figure out how do you work around them or how do you not that that maybe that's not fair to say work around them, but how do you work within them <laughs> to to support people? So, you know, this started first in a couple, you know, power five football places where you had like a group of alumni donors okay. kind of come together, pool a large sum of money together, and um use that as NIL money for student athletes. Um, like just paying students? Is that so essentially now in order for an NIL deal to be legit, you know, there has to be a market value. Um, a student athlete has to, you know, be doing something for the payment. You know, so like I said before, the social post for the the brand and then the the, the payment. So in these NIL deals with Collective, there is some type of service a student athlete is performing. It might be that, you know, they're um, doing an appearance at a you know local school mm-hmm. or they're doing a clinic or things like that. So so there is a, a way that they are performing a service in order to be paid. But but yeah, in some cases it's um, it could be you know, there's some question there, right? Um, you know, it's very clear that for NIL and collectives that, um, you know, NIL money cannot be like a recruiting inducement, for example. Okay. We, we all see the news, right? We all hear that in some places it is. Um, and so far the NCAA hasn't really cracked down on these things. But if and when the NCAA starts to, that could be, um, you know, a challenge. So, um, yeah, collectives are, are an interesting and tough space. We actually have a group that, that has formed one. At in, Colgate? At Colgate. Um, in support specifically of basketball, we as the institution really have no role in it. They they have to operate as an independent entity, um, but but as soon as they they do form and exist, we do have a responsibility to educate and monitor them. So so we do have some skin in the game, even though they they operate at arm's length from us. You know, this was a group that when they came to they came to us ahead of time, they kind of laid out what they wanted to do. They wanted to make sure we were comfortable with it, which which they didn't have to do. Hmm. Um, so they've been a good partner, and you know we we actually asked them to change a couple of things that we feel better about, and and they worked with us on those. So so it's been a good partnership so far, and it's kind of a, a blueprint in the event that another group wants to come to us. But in terms of you know how are they able to raise money? Like have they made anything yet? Like no deals have been disclosed yet. So oh, um, and that I guess that's another piece. Um, student athletes do have to disclose if they have agreements. Okay. Um, the biggest place, honestly, where NIL has helped Colgate student athletes, though, is um, if you think of like Thought Into Action, TIA. Mm-hmm. So for years, we've had student athletes that have gone through that program, that have created yep. a product. Yeah. So that's the Colgate's entrepreneurship yep. program. Yep. So, like I said, we've had many students go through that program, create a, a product or a service or something. But then they can't. They can't. They created it. It's their product. But they can't, <laughs> they can't say they can't product. promote their own product. Exactly right. They can't. You know, in the bio page of the website, say, you know, so and so plays men's soccer at Colgate, right? So um, that's always been kind of a really sticky thing um, because you know, for entrepreneurship and building something new, like the person is so important. Yeah. So. So we've had to file waivers in those situations and do all kinds of different things that now that's kind of, you know, wide open. Um, student athletes that go through that program are able to 
promote it with their name, image, and likeness. So that's probably been the place where for our student-athletes the biggest impact has, has been um, kind of looking at that NIL piece. But it's, in, it's a super fascinating kind of space that's evolving quickly. You know, again, in the news, one of the challenges is that kind of each state is making its own rules about NIL mm. and the NCAA is lobbying the federal government to make some rules so that it could supersede what each state does. So th- th- it's it's a rapidly changing space and, you know, will change more. But it's really interesting. And speaking of rapidly changing spaces, there's been a lot of moves within the different um, conferences, right? So have any of these things impacted Colgate? So Colgate uh, is a uh, member of Patriot League. Yep. And uh, hockey ECAC, right? Mm-hmm. So, w- what's the impact there? Have any changes happened there? Do you foresee any any big changes um, for our players? No, not really. The um, you know the changes we talked about Power Five a minute ago. The changes have really happened kind of at that level, and it's you know frankly it's all about TV money and and how that gets split up and making sure that schools have the revenue they need to run their programs. Um, we're fortunate in the to, in the Patriot League to have ten schools that are pretty committed to to what we do at the level we do it. Um, that don't that aren't looking to go elsewhere, right? Frankly, um, I think that as a group, we'd probably listen if someone was interested in, in joining us um, and coming to the table. If it's someone that's going to add value value to the league, um, you know, all to say we're not looking to expand just for the sake of expanding, but you know, we, we would There's still hope for Cornell. <laughs> That's right. Um, and, and the same goes for, um, you know, ECAC hockey. Um, that's a that's a pretty solid group that I, I don't think is going to change anytime soon. Um, and this the same with the Patriots. I don't think we're going to change. Um, you know, the, really, the only thing that's had any effect on us kind of in this shuffling is, is Army joined the American Athletic Conference for football, which means that a couple of games we had scheduled with them you know, in future years have to come off the books because they're now in a conference that we need to find some other other opponents to play on those dates. But um, really, we've been kind of unaffected by um, by any of the realignment around us. Um, we have a group that's that's committed to what the Patriot League is and what it stands for and and is really happy, you know, as our group of 10. So I, I wouldn't expect much to change there. What are you excited about for for the future here in Colgate Athletics? Oh man, there's so much to be excited about. I mean, in the very kind of near future, I'm I'm excited for hockey and basketball seasons to continue and and to see our teams, you know, compete at the high levels that that they have been and that we know they can and 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 represent Colgate well. I guess big picture, it goes back to kind of the third century plan and you know, from the 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 capital side of it, what like our athletic facilities and spaces could look like in 5, 6, 7 years and yeah. and what opportunities we can be providing to, to Colgate student athletes. Just, it's going to be incredible. It's going to be an incredible, I was going to say change. I don't know. Like what we do now is great. I don't want it to seem, I don't want it like it to seem that we're not doing things that way now, but we're just going to keep raising the bar. I think if you look at the class of 65 arena compared to star, you know, we raised the bar and, and we need to get our other facilities and spaces to match that. And that's what we're working towards. So, so I'm really excited to see, you know, that develop and, and, and work with our team to make it a reality. We've reached question 13. So you made it to the end here. I think what everyone's been waiting for this whole time is uh, 
What have you done to Raider? Oh, wow. <laughs> that is a great question. So um, we retired Raider um, probably during COVID, I think. It it was during the the process of of working through our, our our new identity change. You know, first the university updated its graphic identity, then in athletics we updated ours, and and it just was time to to go in a new direction. Um, we had a lot of feedback from people that, quite frankly, just didn't like Raider. Um, the red hair, the red eyes, um, a lot of screaming skin. screaming children. So we made the decision that it that it was time to go in a new direction and and. Had a few ideas at the time that didn't really gain much traction, and it's actually something that we're starting kind of back up again and starting some some new conversations as to what the right replacement or what the next mascot for for Colgate might be. So it's actually something where we're, we're like I said, we're having conversations now. We're going to be doing some focus groups and talking to our student athletes, talking to some alumni, talking to coaches and staff, you know, over the next couple months to 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 see what the right next step is. You know, we have some ideas, but they might not be people's ideas. Um, some of those those different people might bring new ideas. Um, but we think it's important to have a mascot and important to have kind of that representative that brings some fun and brings some energy into not only our athletic spaces, but spaces all over campus. Um, so it's a work in progress that that hopefully will 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 come together soon and and maybe, Maybe you know for the start of the next academic year, we'll we'll have something more to share. But um, but it, but it's something we're working on. Will whatever what whatever comes forth, will it still be Raider? I, I think that's probably an important part of it that we that we keep the name Raider. You know, we're not changing our our nickname. You know, we're the Colgate Raiders. We're going to stay there. So I think calling the mascot Raider is important. You know what what Raider looks like, what Raider is, I think is 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 up in the air. But I think calling it Raider is is an important thing. Yurif, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Dan. Had a good time. All right. Uh, tell your friends and family about the podcast. Also, I want to uh, thank everyone for listening as we go into the Thanksgiving holiday. Here, uh, we will be continuing to publish episodes uh, throughout the winter, but. Uh, I just wanted to thank everyone. I hope everybody has a a wonderful holiday. Uh, And until next time, keep asking questions. 13 is a production of the Colgate University Office of Communications and Events. Episodes are recorded on campus in Lathrop Hall. Executive producer, Colgate Vice President for Communications and Events, L. Hazel Jack. Producer and host, Dan DeVries. And audio production by Brian Ness. Learn about all the happenings at Colgate at colgate.edu, colgatemagazine.com, and colgateresearchmagazine.com.